0: What's up, everybody? We want to thank you for tuning in to From Prison to Purpose. My name is Jimmy McGill and I am a returning citizen from incarceration. I'm an author, I'm a public speaker, I'm a father, I'm a homeowner, I'm a taxpayer. I hold two executive director roles, one as the executive director of Next Step Recovery Housing, and I am the newly appointed director of the National Peer Recovery Alliance. But I'm all of these things because I am a person in long-term recovery from a 23-year drug addiction that almost destroyed my life. It is by popular demand that we are bringing on Nick Butler today. And Nick is a resident at our recovery house. You guys have been requesting to hear more of his story. You see his shorts, you see his pictures on Facebook. And so without any further ado, Nick, welcome to the show.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me, Jimmy.
0: So, what did your substance use start like? What What was the first substance you
1: used? Narcos, uh, hydro's, (laughs) straight into it. Uh, Opiates, you know, it's what started it out. All of it. I remember, you know, I'm this kid, and I still can't remember what it was that turned me onto them. But you know, but I realized that they were out there, you know. And then I put two and two together at some point that you know my grandparents have a medicine cabinet and in their bathroom and then you know one day i'm just in the bathroom and i decide to look through them and i find some some basically prospect pill bottles that say something on the side that makes me think like maybe these are the kind of pills that i've heard about and uh i remember the names or write them down or i can't remember how i did it but i go home and i look them up and i found some of them were you know and so so i go back and I start, you know, like little by little, because of course, at first, you know, I'm scared that they're going to notice that they're gone, mm-hmm. and so I start taking, you know, a few at a time, you know, with me or whatever, or eat some there, and man, I just love it, you know, I just, I just yeah. want as much of it as I can get, as often as I can get, you know, until the medicine cabinet's clean. Here I come. <laughs>
0: yeah. Okay. For sure. So the the drug that starts your initial substance use disorder. Is opiates, like no it's marijuana. The same drug that
1: finishes a bunch of people, you know? Like, I'm just straight into that.
0: Yeah, you go one way, the dumb way, straight to the max. Straight to it. That's the only thing you're doing.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. And so alcohol and marijuana come into play after the opiates. Yeah,
1: alcohol for sure comes into a major role into it. You know, later on, a farm, you know, a bunch of cows and land. And my dad was mowing hay, I think, and taking care of the place while my grandpa was worrying about his wife and you know somewhere in there i found a little bit of free time you know they gave me a little responsibility to take care of some stuff i didn't have nobody looking over my shoulder and i remember taking that jug and i thought well i'll just sneak down here to the barn and drink some of it you know ain't nobody around i can do it you know it'll be okay and it's about about a half a gallon jug and i think i drank that whole thing you know just at once just turned it up and drank it you know 14 years old had never really even been drunk you know maybe caught a buzz but did not even know that this whole blackout thing was was even something. And I wake up later that day and I'm in the hospital. Yeah. And I had drove this four-wheeler down there. I drank this bottle and I drove it back, tried to drive it back, wrecked it, went up in the yard, uh, belligerently drunk. I don't, don't remember any of it. Uh, my mother had showed up at my grandpa's house, wherever I came back and wrecked the four-wheeler right in the front yard. And she's trying to figure out what's wrong with me. I ended up, you know, like on her. I ended up, she had bite marks on her where I bit her. You bit your grandma. My mom. Your mom. My mom. Yeah. For this is for real. Called her by other names. I mean, <laughs> call, told her her name was Timothy, all sorts of stuff. And, yeah, and hey, this yeah. is from the bottle. This is from the bottle. Yeah. And uh, that was that special moonshine. Man, I think that was that old rock gut something, well, you know, whatever <laughs> it
0: was. It made you bite your mama. You don't ever need to.
1: Never again don't need to but
0: did you think we were a dog
1: man i don't know I, 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 I if i could if i could know what God was going through me. my mind when all that was going on but
0: you know we got another guy at the house that got would be so belligerently drunk i'm not going to say his name but his his story is not ours to tell but like his mom and dad would break in his house to steal his cat because he could, he would be so drunk. He couldn't even take care of his cat. And one time he slapped his mom. didn't know who she was. Thought she was somebody breaking in his house. Popped her. Alcohol is no respecter. Yeah.
1: No, it's not. And that, uh, you would think that would really like put a taste in my mouth to, you know, not drink anymore, but
0: the opposite,
1: completely the opposite. Maybe for a while. You know but maybe it scared you know the kid for a little bit but you know the addict that was there he was Mm -hmm. still you know i remember the kid but not the addict man
0: boy that's fire nick
1: it's real you you
0: you have a more in-depth perception i think you're probably far more advanced in your recovery than you realize i hope so i hope so
1: too you know this is i've never i've never done I've gotten clean before for a couple of months, you know, cause I had to, but I've never, this is the first time that I've ever actually inside of me had any want to. And so I'm just like, I feel like I'm grabbing at everything that I think is something that might, you know, be fuel for me to, you know, to not use again. Cause I don't want you know, like this is the first time that I've ever really tried to get clean and I want it to stick. Yeah. I don't want to go back to, you know, where I was before this.
0: Yeah. So... The alcohol when you beat your mom was that your first experience with alcohol?
1: That was Was my the first time you drank. It wasn't the first time that I had drank anything, but it was the first time that I had really you know drank. It was probably the fourth or fifth time that I had drank. Period. Yeah. But it was the first time I'd ever been drunk. Blackout drunk. First time I'd ever really been hardly drunk at all. You know, and. fast forward you know a few years and i still haven't taken i still have not you know even thought about not doing these painkillers anymore because i 10th grade i get kicked out of high school my friend is on a hunting trip has a 22 pistol shoots himself in the leg on accident
0: cheddar ball
1: man shoots himself in the leg on accident gets a prescription for a bunch of pills you know a bunch of hydros (laughs) now you now you got you want to shoot yourself (laughs) for real I remember being like dang how bad was it you know like that's and that's really you know like how bad that hurt (laughs) (laughs) you was really entertaining oh I was was, I was
0: that's the links we go
1: man as a as a as a kid you know like not even 16 yet probably actually you know and that's real like I never even said anything about that to anybody but I remember actually thinking that you know like you know, and being like, nah, I can't do that. You know, like, or nah, you know, but it, what, it, it really she, crossed my mind. Of course it did. It dude. really did.
0: People break their hands and st- st- stab themselves all the time to get prescriptions. What, uh, what he shoot himself with? Uh,
1: it was a 20, just 22 long rifle pistol. Uh, I think he was playing with it and it just went off, you know, like he didn't hit him somewhere else, but hitting right in the top of the leg. And, uh, they gave him a bunch of Hydro Tins, I mean, a big script of them. Narcos. And he comes straight to school with them, you know. I remember he had them in a snuff can, and he popped that thing open. I, you know, I knew what it was. So a couple of my friends knew what they were, and, you know, we're like, hey, hey well, kid's trying to be cool. You know, he just gave them – I think I took like 10 or 12 of them, you know, throughout one day. And You know, I took so many that whenever we finally got caught and they asked me how many I took, and I told them they didn't believe me. They thought I took – but, nah, like, I took that many of them. and. We end up in trouble. You know, somebody started acting stupid. One of the other friends that took some and somebody told on him, you know, and then they told and then he told on us and everybody got caught. Yeah. Everybody got caught. You know, and mom and dad, you know, mad. I'm in trouble for forever. You know, they're going to kill me. But still. Yeah. Still wasn't. So,
0: well, what did your mom do when you bit her?
1: (laughs) Uh I don't you know my mom's got to just she's got a heart of gold. I I'm not sure. I know that after even after I bit her she still called an ambulance, got on the ambulance ride with me, you know. Road it's my mama, you know, and that's my Yeah. It's my best friend right there.
0: Your mom and dad have got to be so proud of you for the man that you are right now, Nick. Yeah. That
1: They get their son
0: back because of recovery. Yeah. So you now, mom and dad, what'd they do when you get caught popping the narcos at school?
1: Uh mom and dad are pretty old fashioned, you know, so I'm you know, I got my butt whooped. <laughs> nice. Yeah. At sixteen? Uh, oh yeah. At sixteen.
0: Pop didn't play.
1: Pop didn't play. If no, he was, if not he was, with dead belt. He's if, a samurai yeah, with dead belt. <laughs> if you was uh if you was under eighteen, you weren't an adult and you know he was still in charge of you. You you whooped. And you whooped. <laughs> Precision. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Laser cut yeah. belt.
1: <laughs> but man, you know, and but that one of the few times I, that was one of the few times I actually got caught. But, you know, like all these other times, you know, I'm just learning how to be sneaky with it. And, and and I'm perfecting that, you know, because the amount of times that I did stuff versus the amount of times that I got caught, you know, there was there was sure a lot more times that I got away with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So. How old are you the first time you get arrested? And what do you get
1: arrested for? Okay, so I'm eighteen. I've I mean just recently graduated and uh I had started using meth, which is really my drug which is my drug of choice, you know, uh about two months prior to this, maybe three okay and uh they have this party, you know where a bunch of seniors have just graduated, everybody's going and uh about three o'clock in the morning at this party. You know, I'm blackout drunk like I am at every party and the parents show up and they're like, hey, everybody's got to leave. Like we didn't know this was even going on. Like y'all got to go. And so I go to leave and uh, I just remember flashes of it. I get in my truck and I'm driving back to my friend's house, who was actually my my dealer for my drug of choice at the time. And uh, I remember leaving the party and hitting a gatepost on the way out. And then I'm on the road and the next thing I remember is I'm sitting at his house and he's telling me, man, you can't stay here. Like, you know, like you can't sleep in your truck in my driveway. Like you got to get out of here. And I'm like, all right. You know, like I'm, and I, and I think to myself, like, my buddy's got this cabin a little ways up, you know, about 10 miles. I'm going to drive to that. Well, I end up taking, and I guess I thought I pulled up to his cabin or something and I end up parking in the middle of a highway. And, uh, kill my truck, lay my seat back, go to sleep, straddled up the middle line on a two lane highway. <laughs> At about three o'clock in the morning, the church van rolls up on me coming back from a youth coming back from a youth trip and uh call the police. Cop shows up. First thing I remember is knocking on my window, you know. And uh I come to, you know, and uh, I'm thinking, crap, you know. And uh they ended up only getting me for like public well, drunk on the highway, public and talk, same thing or that's what they said but that's what they arrested me for and uh you know the cop I thought at the time was really giving me a break but it really like maybe would have been a wake up call then but the cop found a lot of stuff on me and he didn't even tell my parents about it let alone arrest me for it right. you know or give, I didn't even get a DUI out of the whole deal like I, I mean they just I barely got a, you know anything just a little misdemeanor and uh but I spent about 5 days in jail over it you know mom and dad don't bond you out They, uh, they're going to let you sit. And so about five days later I get out and, uh, go right back to it.
0: Yeah. So how old are you the first time you go to prison?
1: 20, I turned 23 in County jail. I'm uh you know, so fast forward from that, you know, and it's just, my use has gone from, you know, from the opiates and alcohol to that to that plus you know the meth and i found out i love that you know more than anything so yeah. i quit i quit doing pretty much everything else you know I,
0: arkansas
1: yeah i mean that's really like that was what mm-hmm. was around you know and everything else just takes money or time away from me getting that so that's all i'm doing all day every day you know i'm, I'm already starting to see like huge negative consequences in my life it had, i thought i was keeping it under control You know, I had a, I had a good job for a while. Uh, I'm working at this lumber yard making pretty good money. I'm supposed to be getting married and uh, a little side story on that. I'm i I'm supposed to be getting married to, which was the head of the DTF's daughter from, from that area, from Southwest drug task force. You know, he was kind of the head honcho over that. And, uh, and he knew a little bit about my background. And well, me and his daughter, you know, we're hitting it off and we've been together for a few years. Well, probably like five days before our wedding. I mean, like a very nice, expensive wedding that, you know, put a lot of money into it and stuff. She's found out that I'm using and uh, she leaves. Well, in my head, I'm like, you know, ain't nothing holding me back from getting high all the time now. And so like within like. That's crazy. That's in, I think, November. And by January, I've lost my job and by on february i'm sitting in county jail with my first felonies. And yeah, of course you know, your daddy's a just,
0: DTF, man.
1: Man. Bro, what was you thinking? Hit from the jump. didn't have a chance.
0: No. <laughs> hmm. No, you lucky you ain't you ain't they didn't train in day ya.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't I mean, not saying anything negative about him, but yeah. you never know. I mean, that is his daughter. That
1: is his daughter. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So your felony charges that you go to prison for what are they
1: okay so i catch these first two felonies and i get they have uh, the rsat program yeah. back home you know it's resident substance abuse treatment and it's a little 3 month in county and then you do 9 months aftercare and then so much probation well i make it about a month into that you know and i catch other charges i catch and uh that completely you know revokes me from being able to to have any of that stuff so they hit me with my first two felonies and my second two felonies on a revocation and lock me immediately back up and i go back down this time i go to prison so my first two the the four charges that i went down for i I went down for a uh, possession with intent to deliver and uh and a drug paraphernalia and then the second two charges was just regular possession and another drug paraphernalia so drug and, uh, charges, yeah, straight drug charges.
0: Would you? What was your? So your first day in prison. So you you were hmm. you said that you were you know you grew up right like you came up with a good family. There yeah. was no childhood trauma. Drug use started early, but you, you you come from you know a fairly decent upbringing. Yeah. So what's your first day in prison like? Walk me through that from the second you get there. Like yeah. what does that look like?
1: So. We get to diagnostics in malvern and uh you know i've got this attitude i've always had it for the most part wherever i'm so like happy go lucky you know like nothing really i don't let anything bother me you know i'm good and uh like i'm saying the whole time i'm in county jail about to go down there like man it's gonna be all right like i'm not worried about it you know i was but i wasn't gonna let it show you know like i'm still i'm still me like we're gonna make it so we get down there and uh you know they're running through everybody like cows and uh you know,
0: what do you, what do you mean they're running through? So we show up,
1: through. so we show up at the gate. We have a little drive up there, and I mean we're even cutting up on the way there, you know, like in the back in the squad car or whatever. And uh, we get there, and we're in line to go into the building at Malvern, and we get in there, and you know they strip us down, uh, they pull us in a little side room, you know, check everything, get us in our in our little prison white prison boxers, and uh, check every belonging that we were allowed to have with us. They run us into a building, throws in a little side room. Uh, we sit there for a little bit and then they give us a shower, you know, and all this is like right next to the, you know, to the guy you walked in beside. So, you know, like I'm showering in this shower, boom, 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 all on display in front of it, all these workers and stuff that are here, you know, and I'm just sitting there like, man, this is crazy. You yeah. You've yeah, never to, been naked before anybody, man. You know, I'm used to, well, I'm used to seeing, you know, the guys in the, in, in, the, the gym. in the, in the, well, in the, in the pod, you know, back in County for a while, Yeah, you know, that's one thing, but these are like, you know, nurses, you know, all this and I am just like, you know, and I'm starting to freak out a little bit. And uh, we, you know, make through the shower, they run through, they're giving you all these tests to see if you've got diseases. And, uh, you know, and I'm sitting there like, man, some of these girls pretty, you know, I'm trying to talk to some of them and they ain't having me. You You know, (laughs) and uh, uh, I remember they sit me down and they're talking to me about my charges, you know, and uh, just kind of like a little evaluation and uh they're like so you're an addict and i'm like no <laughs> yeah <You know? laughs> <laughs> and i'm like no like you don't understand like i've got drug charges but like i've I only not a drug addict no of course not like i've only used it a couple of times you know i don't really care for it that much i just sold it and why, why
0: did you lie to him
1: man it's just like that it's that stigma jimmy uh You know, even for somebody that's using all the time.
0: But but you're in prison on four drug charges.
1: But somewhere in my head, you know, as long as I'm not the guy that's hooked on it, you know, they're not going to, they're not going to, you know, and I'm thinking they're not going to look at me. You know, I've, I've always, you know, because mom and dad were, you know, as strict as they were, I always had what kind of held me on for a long time was that they didn't know, you know, like I kept it from them, you know, and I had this this mask on this facade going that like, that they didn't know anything, you know, and you know, they knew something. I knew that, but they didn't know what, and as long as I could keep that hidden, it wasn't real, you know? So even when I get down there, you know, I just keep on into it. Like I'm not a drug addict, you know, I just sold it, you know, I might use every now and then, but you know, it's, it's not me, you know, like I'm just, I'm just a part of the lifestyle. And, uh, Well, I think you know whether I was or not. You know, I think I'm selling the whole thing, and uh, well, boom, I get down there and they put me in a in the SAT anyway. But SATP, yeah. So
0: is that why you didn't tell them truth? You know, you didn't want to go to SAT. Well, no,
1: I mean, I didn't even know what SATP was at this time. Yeah,
0: but you do now.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, back to the that first day. So they're walking us down after all this into our uh, to our barracks or to our to our one man sales, You know. Yeah. And uh, you know, and I'm. Everything's new to me, you know. I'm trying to take it all in, and a little nervous, and you know, everything's a lot. And we only stay in our one man cells for probably a day or two, which they told us is going to be like two weeks or something when we get there. Well, COVID's going on all through this too, so like we're constantly getting checked for COVID. And well, they send us over to these, uh, it's like a hundred man barracks, and it's like two man cells, you know, in the uh, on part of the Malvern unit, and we're walking down into there, you know, and this is my first look at like, really what prison is, you know, like the inmate part of it, not just the, the, you know, the checking to see at who who's coming in, you know, and the run through, this is just straight up, you're walking down a hallway, and you got the plexiglass windows on both sides, and you're heading to a door at the end, and there's inmates all on the windows, you know, staring up big, scary dudes, you know, and I'm thinking like, man, they're about to throw us in there with these guys and like, these guys look. These something. guys look like animals, you know. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> you know, like they just and like they, they look and, like they got they, this place whooped. You know, they done been here before. It looks like, and yeah, you know, you
0: scared. And the I'm place.
1: like, man, there ain't no way. You know, like that was the first little hint of like, dang, like this is it's this real. Is real. This is real. Like this is what they was talking about when they said, you know, like prison's prison.
0: Yeah. And so, uh, did, did you get in any fights while you were in prison?
1: Not any. Not any. Like real like major fights like they told me the whole time they're like oh when you get down there you know they're gonna check you and see if you know so i'm ready for it and stuff you know looking but i I didn't just have a whole lot of time you know and i knew that as long as maybe as i stayed out of the you know out of the out of the big mix of stuff like maybe i could keep from getting knocked off and having to do more time than i was going to so i mean and i mean i'm normal i can be pretty easy to get along with (laughs) most of the time yeah. So I mean, I figured as long they, as I didn't start too many problems, maybe I could keep out of it.
0: Did they come to you to like join a gang or anything?
1: Man, the only time that I ever even heard anything about it is there was some some uh, some white boys down there, some bros, some some Aryan guys that came to me and uh, he's like, he sits me down and or sits down beside me and is talking to me, and and he just has a regular conversation with me, and at the end of it, he kind of just gets up and he's like. Well, man, he's like, you got a pretty good head on your shoulders and you don't have a lot of time. He says, a lot of the times we push for you. He says, but I'm not even going to come back and talk to you no more. That was all I, all I ever heard about it. Yeah. That was all I ever heard about it.
0: Yeah. That's it's nuts. Yeah. What was the craziest thing you saw in prison?
1: So the craziest thing was whenever I actually left the unit there in Malvern and I and I went to what was going to be my unit, which was uh, RL Doug Randall Williams and uh pine bluff yeah Yeah. and i get there and it's like the first or second day like they have it set up like there's a lot of people going to randall at that time and when they get there they're spending probably two or three days in this barrier about a 50-man barracks and they're splitting them up sending them to like Esther unit or the work complex and uh, or some of them to satp but there's about a week that i'm in there before they send me anywhere and uh second day there i see these guys staring at each other you know and I mean, not staring at each other too much. I mean, like one of them is looking at one and the other one will look away, you know, then he'll, you know, me mug the other guy. And all of a sudden this guy gets up, little bitty dude and walks over and the other guy is not little at all. And he takes and he's got a, he's got the worst prison shank you've ever seen. You know, it's a, it's a plastic fork pretty much that he's like broke off, but I mean, it's sharp, you know, and he walks up and, and he hits dude with it, but he hits him like somewhere in the cheekbone, you know, and it just, it cuts him a little bit and breaks and guy just snatches him up and just beats him down, you know, and I'm and I've still like all this is in the first two or three weeks that like I've left county jail and I'm thinking, you know, like these guys this is, are this is a lot
0: for a small town kid that came up in a well Yeah. Family, <laughs> you know,
1: and I'm like,
0: yeah. yeah. That's nuts.
1: That was so, I thought it was. <laughs> how, long,
0: how long did you have to? You were short time. So how long did you spend in prison?
1: Okay, so in, in actually in in ADC probably seven seven or eight months.
0: That's a long time. Uh-huh. A lot of a lot of time. I've seen a lot of people turn a seven month bid into you know multiple years.
1: Yeah,
0: it's real easy to do. We get down there, and we crash dummy out.
1: Yeah, I saw a lot of people do that, exactly that. Yeah, and. I'm glad I never got put too many you know in the position I did get s a t p you know pretty quick after I got there so I moved into the program barracks you know and a lot of those guys were looking to either go home or onto their next phase at going home and it made it it made it a lot easier you know than just being in regular population full of class fours yeah. so that was that was a blessing so
0: let me let me ask you this when you when you come home do you stay clean or do you keep using
1: man I had it was almost like I couldn't wait to even get home. To get high. To get high. Which I mean, I got high in prison. <laughs> I got yeah. Talk about uh, it, boy.
0: Talk yeah, about so, it.
1: <laughs> so I'm in prison and or county jail. Our county jail was not didn't have nothing now, going wh- through Well
0: which which prison were you in when you got
1: high? When I got high, I was in Randall, Randall Williams there in love. Pine Bluff. So yeah. What
0: what what did you do to get high
1: there? Uh smoke banana pills. No, man, they've got uh the at that time the most like meth, I had ever even seen in one spot was in prison. Ain't that you know, crazy? It's crazy, you know. Like I don't, I don't know how it gets there, but I guarantee you I ain't coming in on no inmate body. Not that much. Uh, that is crazy.
0: You can't and, stay clean in prison no more, man. It's
1: hard. Nah. And you know, like you hear all these people talking, like I don't do, I don't do no meth whenever I'm in prison. Like I, ain't, they all do you know, it. like but when, when you get down there, and ain't none everywhere. of them, ain't yeah, ain't none of them not doing it. So I mean, That's and rough, it's. Man you know, and it's expensive and I, you know, I don't pull commissary when I'm there, you know, I do every now and then, but mom and daddy didn't just, you know, like they were just going to cater with me in there. They wanted me to learn my lesson. (laughs) Hardcore lessons.
0: There is no harder time to do than time broke. Indigent baby. If you can't draw down and and make store, that is, it's hard time. Yeah. It's hard time. You got to have a hustle. If you ain't got a hustle where you're making 20 $30 a week in commissary, Like you're talking no hygiene, no, no shoes. You're not living comfortable. Like as time goes by, if you're serving 10 or 11 years, five or six years straight, then you're going to learn how to get all that. But if you're there doing a seven month sentence, like that's seven months of the hardest time you're ever going to do if you're broke. Yeah.
1: Yeah, It was rough sometimes. Yes. (laughs) You know, I made a friend that was a barber whenever I got there and he really took a lot. Like he kind of like looked out out for me a lot. And, uh, I mean that was really. I mean that kept it from being quite as hard as it could have been. But of course, you know, like he's doing drugs down there, smoking K two and and you know, like, that's a, man, yeah, that's
0: a whole another monster. That's
1: a whole another monster, man. Yeah. But you know, being who I am, I had to try that too, and uh, of course, I liked it. Phew! Deuce. Man. Rough. What was yeah. your
0: experience like on that?
1: Uh, man, I, I was always you know I was always kind of shy about it I didn't just want to like walk up in the middle of some people and you know like try to hit the little do stick or whatever but you know I I I get it you know as much as I could you know that was offered to me man mine personally like wasn't ever too bad like I never flopped out or anything like you see some of these people do but I saw some people like I saw there was a guy in our barracks that I mean he turned blue like he fell out and was uh, we thought he was gone like and uh and he came back you know but You know, and you would think that that would be the, you know, like, dang, like that stuff's rough. But, you know, like I saw people like even when he fell out, still out on the ground, looking around for the little stick that he dropped, you know, the little joint that he dropped of it, because that's what they wanted. You know, they wanted that that flop. Yeah. (laughs) That's what they called it, that flop. It's nuts.
0: It's nuts. So how let's transition right here, right? Like we've talked about how you came up. You had a good life, trauma, turned to drugs, rent your life, went to prison, used drugs in You couldn't even stay clean in prison. No. But how long have you been clean now?
1: Six months in a couple of days. That's crazy. Less than a week.
0: Six months, no blunts.
1: Six months, no blunts.
0: All right. So, all right, Nick. So you got the next step.
1: Yeah. Okay. So all of these feelings that I'd had, you know, that were... That this drug you know or these drugs or whatever were making me so cool you know and making me fit in you know like i walk into a room you know when it all first started and it was like hey you know it's nick you know like and there comes all this validation you know that i would always been looking for you know and you know i really like it really makes you feel like something you know when you're getting all that you know it blows your head up about it attention yeah attention yeah good you know and that people pleasing thing that i've instilled in myself you know Whenever I was so young, you know, looking for the same thing, you know, I'm finally getting all that, you know, and people, you know, people are talking about me. It's a small town, you know, and I'm hearing about it, you know, and stuff. And it's making me feel like, you know, like I'm really something and really I'm just, you know, this dope fiend. And. But I mean, it just for a couple of years anyway, you know, or a few years, you know, I just keep on and keep on, you know, with that and. I don't realize like how bad it's deteriorating, you know, like as far as my life goes, you know, and it keeps going down and getting worse and worse, especially when I came home from prison. You know, of course, when you get home, there's that little bit of, you know, there's that little bit of warm welcoming. Everybody's like, cool to see," you know, it's cool. You're back. You know, everybody kind of thinks, you know, you get a little bit of validation because, you, you know, you went to prison, you know, everybody's like, oh, man, is, you know, you went down, you know, and that makes you feel even cooler. And it's but it's back to the same thing, you know, and little by little, you know, it's just, I'm going downhill and I'm going downhill and I don't realize that I'm burning all these bridges with all these people, you know, that I've known my whole life, you know, that weren't in the drug world, you know, that weren't, that were positive in my life. And until they're not there anymore, it's like, you don't realize that you're, you know, you're messing all this stuff up. And pretty soon all I had were these people, you know, that were, that were negative influences. Yeah, You know, besides my parents, you know, mama's always been there but everybody else, you know, I, I kept running them out of my life, you know, and I'm not even realizing that I'm doing it. And when they, when I do realize it, I think, you know, there's something wrong with them, you know, like why are they mad at me? Like I didn't do nothing to them. Yeah. And, uh, about a year and a half ago I had a really bad car wreck, uh, tore my leg up pretty bad, uh, or my foot and where I my leg and it, uh, it was one of those things where like I almost lost my leg a couple of times like during the thing, and yeah, me and the
0: sheriff of uh, the Queen was talking about it the other day. Really, me and uh, Wilcox.
1: Oh, Walcott.
0: Yeah, Walcott. Yeah,
1: yeah. He was on the scene of it. Yeah, you know?
0: he said it was the worst thing he'd ever seen. Yeah, it was pretty bad. I don't Could, remember that either. He still had a foot.
1: Yeah. Uh you know but just like prison like that was not enough it wasn't enough for me you know it was enough to get another script of painkillers yeah you know and uh and i i stayed clean for a few months mainly because i was scared that you know as many surgeries as i was having that some form of me using would have some negative effects with some anesthetics and might kill me you know so i so i got clean It's was uh, you know i'm abusing my pain meds but i'm not you know i'm not doing any any meth and uh about three months or four months into that, though, I've got this big brace on my leg, but they let me start walking again. You know, well, it's over with then. You know, as soon as I can, I hit the ground running, and it's like maybe the end of the summer, maybe September, like. And uh, man, and I'm taking I'm you know walking everywhere. Don't have no ride at this point, and I make it to these apartments, and uh, in in Queen, you know. And there's these there's these two sets of apartments in the Queen where one one's called Kingsgate and one's called the Villas. And they're literally the only thing that separates them is there's a street in between the two of them. And everybody uses on both sides. You know, it's and I start making friends there and, you know, somewhere in there, I get I get introduced to needles, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's like when that hit my life, you know, of course, I love it. But everybody else around me, you know, now people that use drugs even are starting to cut me off, you know, when they find out what I'm doing and which is crazy to me, you know, like I, I thought it was so bad, you know, that all these other people, you know, that didn't do drugs had cut me off from their life. But now even other addicts, you know, aren't messing with me. And pretty soon, you know, I go from I'm couch surfing, you know, I can't go back to mom and dad's. I've got this huge thing on my leg, you know, and I'm just out running the streets with it on anyway. And, you know, and I keep on at first, you know, all these relationships are good and I'm in these apartments and I've got anywhere I want to stay. You know, I've got anywhere I want to and, I, and I'm and i and I'm loving it. But slowly, you know, I start wearing my welcome out, you know, in all these places. And pretty soon, you know, like I'm not I'm there's not a happy face. I'm even my friends, you know, when I show up and they're just looking at me like, you know, like, man, this guy's still here. You know, and it was people you know, that I really thought that would never, you know, would never have not have a warm welcome to walk into. You know, I just always thought that these people were going to smile and be like, hey, look, Nick's back. You know, like, how crazy is that to think? You know, here I am imposing on these people's lives. And I think that they're always just going to, you know, be so happy for me to show up and sleep on their couch, you know, and... You went
0: from popular to being a pest.
1: Yeah. And there were some of them, you know, would never you know, they might have at some point, some of them wouldn't say it, you know, because maybe they, you know, maybe that, you know, we had been friends for a long time. They wouldn't tell me I was that pest or they wouldn't tell me, you know, that I'm a nuisance, but, you know, I can see it. You know, I know. And man, that's one of the worst feelings in the world, man, is not feeling like anybody wants you around. Like even other addicts, you know, don't want you around and you don't have, you know, you've done gone so far down that you can't, you know, the the job's gone out the window forever ago, you know, so if you ain't, you know, and hustling's kind of gone out the window too, because every time you try to hustle up any money, you know, you get a sack and you just, you know, you stick the whole thing in your arm. Yeah. And so pretty soon there's no money to be made. And if there is, you know, you go spend that on yourself and stick that up your arm too.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and, you know, it's like slowly, you know, like there was no smile at all. Like even the people that you could walk into with, you know, a little bit of dope in your pocket, you know, and maybe get the place to stay for the night or at least a warm welcome for it or whatever. You know, like you ain't even have nothing to offer now. Yeah. And I mean, they like they don't even want your dope. They don't That's even bad you. Want. And yeah. And then pretty soon, even if you do have anything, they don't even care. Like, I mean, it's bad when when another addict knows you've got dope. They don't have no dope and they still don't let you in their house, you know.
0: So how did all that lead you to the next step?
1: I'm still confused. So, so there was this girl that lived in uh raw this is in southwest or i was in southwest arkansas at the time there's a girl in uh northwest arkansas that uh that had she was from my hometown and i started talking to her and it, it's crazy how things work because like you know what she was she was clean you know for a couple of years and uh said she was had been clean for a couple of years you know and she Within two weeks of talking to me, you know, she's like, hey, you know, like, once you get clean and come up here and I'm kind of like, you know, skeptical of it, you know, but I, in my head, I'm thinking, you know, like somebody wants me to stay, you know, like somebody yeah. wants me at their place. I can
0: get out of here.
1: where I'm I can unwanted, get it. Yeah. You know? And, you know, like, but I'm still like thinking to myself, like, man, I'm going to have to like, I've got to quit using for all this, you know, like, and there was no way I was going to do that.
0: Yeah. I mean, why would you? You've already bit your mom. Uh, yeah, went to jail, lost your leg almost, used in prison. Like at this point, all you've got is pain.
1: Yeah, it's like all that childhood trauma that I skipped on, you know, I just inflicted on myself yeah. later on. Yeah, adult trauma. Yeah. <laughs>
0: okay, so I'm sorry. It's
1: no, good uh, you. so. I'm supposed to go up to see her on a Monday and I'm supposed to be kind of like moving in with her at this point. You know, like I haven't even met the girl at this point. You know, it's crazy. Like I cannot, I still can't believe her mindset on things.
0: You heard that song, computer love, Facebook love. Yeah, that's pretty much computer what it was. Love. And oh, that was hard. <laughs> that sounded like a dying baby, didn't it?
1: <laughs> uh, so I go with my friend actually like on a Friday. He's a truck driver. And he's like, hey, man, like I've got to make this trip to Rogers to go drop some stuff off, which just happened to be the same place I was supposed to be moving to the next Monday. And I'm like, I ride with you, you know, like so on the way up there, like I'm calling her, you know, and I'm like, hey, like I'm coming through there. I know I'm not going to be moving up there till Monday, but like you want to do you want to see me? And she's like, yeah, blah, 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 all this stuff, you know, well, on the way up there, she's or I start having these thoughts in my head like man if I move up with her you know like she's got a kid like I'm gonna have to actually quit using you know and I start deciding that like I can't do this you know I'm not gonna do this like I'm gonna go back home as miserable as it is you know at least I've got my you know my syringes and you know and 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 my drugs I don't have to get clean for some girl that I don't even know and her kids you know like I don't I'm scared of it you know I don't want to do it yeah and on the way up there I remember we stopped at this gas station and I go in the bathroom and I'm like, I decide I'm going to do a shot, you know, and I, I get back in the bathroom and I realize I don't have any water on me. And, you know, the sinks right out there, but then I've got to go out there with the, you know, and and it's just a lot of work. So, you know, without even thinking, I just like spit in this little thing that I'm mixing this up in. So here I am mixing meth with my own spit and about to inject it into my arm. And Mm. I do, Mm. you know, and Mm. yeah that Um, ought to get some views (laughs) and you know i spit bump you know and i'm thinking to myself as i'm doing it like like i know how you get sick i know it comes from bacteria i know that that can't be you know there's a lot of bacteria in 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 a person's mouth you know and i know all this like but i'm just not like i don't care you know i've just gotten to this point to wherever like I don't you care. Can't, you can't even think anymore. I can't even think anymore. It's just like the first thing that comes to my, you know. Just, I'm just doing it, you yeah, know. It's like a dog. Just the quicker it. I can get it in me, and the more of it I can get in me, like the quickest way I can get it in me is how I'm doing it. Like and a mindless animal just keeps going and going yeah. and going. And man, I do this <clears> shot, and I like immediately, you know, I start feeling terrible. Like get sick, sick, like right. sick, sick, Physically like sick. like before I even make it out of the bathroom stall, I've vomited like twice. Oh my god! And I've got cold shakes, you know, like it's bad. Like, and I get back out, and I'm trying to hold it together, and it's coming in waves, you know, like it'll kind of go away for a little bit, and I start thinking I'm getting over it, and then it hits me again, you know. And I'm riding in this eighteen wheeler with this guy that I know pretty well, but not just real well. And uh, he's like, "Man, what's wrong with you?" I'm like, "Oh, you know, nothing. You know, I'm." S- I'm just not feeling good all of a sudden. And we make it about another 30 minutes down the road. And I'm like, I'm feeling so bad that I'm like, hey, I'm going to call this girl and just have her come pick me up, you know, like, and he's like, you sure, man? And in my head, I'm just thinking like, I don't, I, I can't like, I can't, I'm just so sick. It just all happened at such the right moment, you know, like it was so, I was feeling so bad and I just happened to be so close to this girl, you know, as far as like, as far as distance wise goes that I just call her up and I'm like, pick me up. You know, I'm going to have him drop me off at a Walmart or I've mean at a McDonald's and just pick me up. But I know that, like, if she sees me, you know, and I'm with this guy and he's waiting there and she sees, like, how messed up I am. And, you know, like she's going to know, you know, yeah, and she's not going to let me come. And, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, like, man, how do I how do I do this? So I tell the guy to leave me. At this McDonald's. So I basically like because I thought maybe she'd feel bad enough that she wouldn't send me back out on the streets if I had no way to go. But if this guy was with me and I had a way back home, she's definitely going to be like, no, man, you can't come with me, you know, get back in the truck with him and go back. So I make him leave me at this Rogers uh, McDonald's and I go in the bathroom there and I'm like in my head, I'm like, I'm going to do one more and that's going to make me feel better.
0: Yeah, you thinking you got cotton fever
1: yeah and so i go in there and i and i do another one well it you know it does not make me feel any better in fact e am if not worse you know it it sure didn't help nothing you know at this point you know now i'm just you know my head's just a big fuzz and i'm sick and she gets there she's got her i remember she's got her little two-year-old daughter in the car with her you know thinking that i haven't used in a day or two and that i'm gonna come to her to get clean you know and she I don't even, I don't want her to know that I'm high. You know, she had to have known. She never said anything, but, you know, had to. But she didn't make me, you know, she didn't throw me back out on the streets. You know, there wasn't, you know, she never said anything. So I was safe. And when I get to her place, you know, at first it's really great. You know, I'm, I'm talking to this girl and uh, her family starts, when they find out that she's with me, they start uh, threatening her to let her see her, her other child cause they had custody of one of her children. Cause she was previously in her addiction, you know, and uh, it just, it was bad from there. You know, we started arguing and stuff and she was a uh, Jimmy McGill fangirl though. And uh, she's like, hey, you know, we're trying to find this place for me to go without me just getting kicked back out on the street. And she's like, hey, uh, so there's this guy on TikTok that I'm following, you know, his name is Jimmy McGill. He's got a halfway house in Clarksville or a recovery house in Clarksville maybe you could get in there and I'm, you know, well, she shows me a picture of you and I'm like, that guy looks really familiar. And then she should, and then I see a picture of your book and I'm like, man, I read this guy's book whenever I was in prison. Like, I know, like, you know, and it's just kind of cool, you know? And so we start talking about it and I guess she, she messaged you. Yeah. No, and, she got, uh,
0: somehow she got my number and called.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I think she worked at a rehab and I think somebody up there might've give it to her. Yeah. And uh man, it was just crazy how all that worked out, but even at this point, like I still am not wanting to really be sober like you know, after yeah. I'm not sick anymore, I'm right back to thinking like
0: yeah. desperation, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, and you know, I'm just kind of in a new place, don't know anybody, so I just haven't yet you know i I haven't went out you know walking the streets trying to find a friend kick get kicked out of her place, you know, won't have anywhere to go, but then I find out I'm coming to this place, you know, this next step, and I get here, and it's man, it's just been it's the first time in my life that I've ever found any sort of want to inside of me.
0: What what ran through your mind the first time you set foot on the property with us?
1: Uh, I remember, I remember I was really annoyed because she was like really, really, really wanting to like walk through with me.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And so I'm really annoyed. You know, I'm really scared uh, because like, you know, I'm coming into this new place. Like I'm going to have to be clean. Like I haven't had any sort of social experiences you know, sober, like I've lived like my entire, you know, I used to say I, I lived my entire life, my entire adult life, you know, on drugs, but really, you know, like, and I didn't even think about this till after I've been here and actually get some knowledge, you know, and stuff. But I've even most of my like, childhood that I can't even remember, you know, I was doing the same thing. Just, it was always something, you know, so it's like, now I'm trying to make these friends where I'm coming into a place where I'm thinking I'm going to have to make these friends and these relationships without any of that assistance. And man, I was scared. Yeah. I didn't know what to expect. You know,
0: how long, how long did you stay with us before you started getting comfortable?
1: Man, it was incredibly fast. I mean, within, within a week, I'd already built a lot of relationships with a lot of the guys. Like, you it's know, kind of crazy. It's man. really crazy. You know, I've been at I've been at another place. You know, kind of like this. I say kind of like this. there's nothing like this. You know, <laughs> but it was set up to be something like this, and it they was had just a like vision
0: of being what
1: we are. Mm, yeah, but yeah. it was broken. You know, and like the way the guys got along there was like, you know, you had your guys over here that wanted to be clean, and you had the other half of the guys or more than half that didn't want to be clean. And they just clashed, you know. They they did not get along. There was always animosity. Everybody hated, you know, somebody. And here it's just like, man, it's really, like, it's like this big family. Yeah, recovery, you the know, culture here. And I'm like, my family's always been such a big, you know, part of my life. You know, they were always there, even whenever I pushed them away. You know, they were always there. And man, it's just like it's like an extension of that here, you know. And man, it's great.
0: Yeah. So what's, what's been the biggest challenge for you living in a sober living?
1: Uh, coming from, coming from all that, just, I do what I want when I want, you know, type thing. Yeah. And then being, being somewhere, wherever, you know, like at, at first it was, it was kind of like, dang, you know, like I can't do this and I can't do this and I can't do this.
0: Rules. Rule. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what yeah, they call rules. Them.
1: <laughs> and, uh, You know, but then like when you realize that those rules are there, you know, and the aspect or the the angle they're coming at is from love, you know, and that they're there. I mean, for for my benefit and for everybody else's benefit, when you actually come to that realization, you know, it's I I mean, once you get there, it's, you know, you realize like these guys really love me here. Like it's not just a it's not just some business or it's not just some whatever, you know, it's a real thing like these people like. Love you. These people love me. Like not even just you and, you know, Miss Chelsea, like, like I was, that was pretty apparent, you know, from the get go, but the guys here, you know, like every one of them actually like loves me. Yeah. And And I mean,
0: that is your family. Like it really is next up, man, we are a family. Like it's, it's crazy. Like we love each other and we help each other and we're there for each other. And we defend each other, and I've never seen anything like it. It's yeah. just—it's such a sense of camaraderie uh, and belonging to, you know what I mean? And yeah. it's the type of shit I searched my whole life for. Me too. Like that's why I was a gang member because I wanted to feel that sense of unity and belonging to. I wanted purpose, and I couldn't find it until I found recovery. Yeah. And there's a lot of places that should be like what ours are, and and people you know colton was in here earlier and we were talking and he's like man i've been to seven different rehabs i've been to seven different kim free houses and there is nothing like next step you know and i think it's it's the time that we spend with you guys the one-on-one it's like me and you we just came back from wichita yeah you know th- three days we're we're on the highway you know just me and you and i don't mm. i don't see other recovery houses doing that i don't see directors flying to a different state with a guy at the house to invest in him. This yeah. is true discipleship. This is ministry work, man. This is, And there's a bunch of places that say they want to help people find a way to live clean, and, and they, they throw God in the mix. Yada, 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 yada. Okay, Bible study alone ain't going to keep me clean. God me God gave me a doctor. And when you break your arm, you carry your ass to the doctor. I'm not saying that you can't pray, and God will heal. God, God can do whatever God wants to do, but He also gave you enough common sense to use the doctor. Yeah, you know what I mean. To and get so, some treatment. <laughs> yeah, go get some help, man. And so, um, I, I can tell you this, Nick: you have been one of the biggest blessings to me and Chelsea that we've had since we moved up here. Like when I see you, when I see the progress that you've made. You are leaps and bounds away from the person you were when you got here. When you got here, you were a broken shell of a 24-year-old kid. And today, you're a fully employed person. You're a good son. Your parents are proud of you. I know they're proud of you because they message me. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Chelsea is proud of you. I am proud of you. You are a role model in that house, man. Grown men twice your age look up to you. And that ought to make you feel good, man. Everything you went through was free on the job training for the man you're becoming. It's giving you a purpose. And that purpose is to reach the new person in recovery. And you're killing it, man.
1: Don't let me cry, Jimmy.
0: (laughs) I don't want to make you cry, but I want you to know that we love you. And we're glad that you're at Next Step. I love being there. And all the people watching and listening, they're glad you're at Next Step. And they love seeing you look at Facebook over <laughs> there
1: jumping, jumping, huh?
0: jumping. So what I want you to do, Nick, is I want you to look right here in this camera and I want you to tell any viewer, any listener, exactly whatever's on your heart.
1: If I had to tell him one thing that was on my heart, it would have to be. Man, God works in ways that put you in places at the right time. You know, uh, all we've got to do is get out of the way. And man, let him work, you know, and when, you know, he, he'll, he'll do his part, you know, you've got to do your part. I mean, but his part's way bigger than yours. So the work's not going to be, you know, the work's there, but like I said, God will do most of it, get out of his way and pray to be able to see what his will is. And you'll make it there wherever you're trying to go.
0: That's good stuff. Nick, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Um, for every watcher and viewer, thank you for your love and support. Uh, please follow us on all social media platforms. Jimmy McGill Live on Facebook, Prison to Purpose on TikTok and YouTube. Uh, you can stream the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, all streaming platforms. Um, without you, we're nothing. And- you know big shout out to next step for making yep. champions like you you know what i mean and so we cannot uh, wait to follow up with you in six or seven months and see what your recovery journey is looking like wait. now so nick thanks for coming man
1: thanks for having me jim right. you've been listening to from prison to purpose with jimmy mcgill please subscribe on any of the major podcasting platforms and on youtube at prison to purpose This podcast is produced by Ty King with American Business Engine and executive producer Jimmy McGill. For more information, visit us at jimmymcgill.org.